it goes right, it's a slice. If it goes left, it's a hook. If it goes straight, it's a miracle. This is Out of Bounds. If it's happening in the world of golf, we're talking about it. Coverage, debate, discussion, pro golf and local golf. Let's do it. This is Out of Bounds. And here are your hosts, Nate Sharman and Josh Derso. All right, welcome back to the Out of Bounds podcast. Josh Durso, Nate Sharman here, keeping you in bounds with the latest from around the golf world. We've got two weeks of golf tournaments to talk about because we weren't here last week. Let's start with the Genesis. Hideki Matsuyama, Ty's course record, gets uh, a win, an incredible Sunday for him. Um, but I think the, the story of that tournament was Patrick Cantlay not closing. What do you think? Yeah, what a round by Hideki Matsuyama. Not a guy we talk about enough, I don't think, right? Especially when we talk about those, you know, those top 15, 20 golfers in the world. You know, a guy that's won the Masters before and, and can show that he can make birdies in bunches. So a huge day by Hideki Matsuyama coming out of practically nowhere on Sunday, right? No one was even really talking about him or thinking about him. And that goes about to, to your Cantley point. You know, was holding that lead at some points and then just didn't have it on Sunday for, for lack of a better term there and uh, gives gives up the victory. It did come out later that he had sort of that stomach bug, some of that sort of that high fever bug that that Tiger withdrew from. It was reported that a couple of different players had it and it was kind of going around the tournament. Um, so, yeah, then that's definitely a factor of why Patrick Cantley wasn't able to get that victory victory on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, that just adds to the list of times that Patrick Cantlay has had an opportunity to win a big marquee golf tournament. And as we've said on this podcast, he just really doesn't have a lot of those big marquee wins. Yeah, and, you know, just one thing. You mentioned Matsuyama. Um, maybe one of the most underrated golf swings in professional oh, yeah. golf, I think. Yep. Like, if I'm just watching golf swings, his, his is one of the few that I could just sit and watch whale golf balls on a range for hours yeah. and be be locked in. He's um, one of those guys too, Josh, that can make four or five birdies in a row. There's there's you know yeah. there's a lot of these guys can do that, but he's a one of them. And I think I think he's a guy we kind of forget about a little bit, right? You know, a guy that can get hot and beat almost anybody in the world at any given time. So uh, watch out for Hideki. Oh yeah, I would I would say he's one of those guys that people think of as a top ten golfer in the world, even if he may not always be in the top ten in the world. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, you know, the Patrick Haley thing's interesting. Uh, I'm a little conflicted. You know, I, I don't think it has, it, I don't think him losing the lead on Sunday, not being able to hold on, he didn't have it from the, the first swing of the day, right? Like it was clearly not his day. Um, and whether that be because of illness or whether that be just because of, you know, how uh, he tends to play on Sundays, unfortunately, I don't think it has any immediate impact on what people think about him. Um, you know, I, I think one thing that's helping his case is the fact that we've seen so many um, first time or new faces win on tour so far this year. And obviously that tournament was an exception. We obviously Hideki is not a new face in any way, shape or form. Um, but we've seen a lot of that so far. So it doesn't, I guess I would feel differently if we saw a lot of stars winning bunches of these events early in the year and sort of squeezing Patrick out into the the kind of like no man's land but you know is this a make or break year for him I feel like every year is like that because he's getting older but do we feel like there's more pressure in 2024 for him to win something that really matters um, than maybe we have seen in the last few years 
Yeah, and I think if there wasn't so many golf storylines in the world right now, especially with Liv and Anthony Kim, which we'll talk about a little bit more, I think the pressure, more pressure would be on Patrick Cantlay. He hasn't really done a lot to help himself out in the last few years, right? Um, especially with all the slow play and everyone talking about them. Now he's taking a bigger role in the PGA Tour, so he's in the spotlight for that too. And just the general, I don't, I would say the general golf fans do not like do not like Patrick Cantlay, whether because he's he can be smug in interviews sometimes. Or he, you know, the slow play part of things. So I think he could do a lot of help if he were to just kind of, I don't know, if, for lack of a better term, shut up the haters, right? If he were to to win, you know, the Genesis Open or something like that, or even win a major, contend in a major this year, that would do big for his career. I don't know if it's a make or break year. Josh this is a guy that's won the, the season long tournaments, season long uh, championship before. So a guy that's a very established winner and has made a lot of money throughout his career. But um, I think he can do a lot to kind of quiet people down if he's able to win a big marquee event this year. So I think that's really important for him. Yeah, and I think, guys, I, I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me right now, but I believe Data Golf have, has him in the top five in the world right now. So, I mean, obviously he's playing. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's playing among the best in the on the planet. Um, and you'd expect, you know, I, I still think that no matter what we're talking about here with Patrick Cantley, I think eventually he's going to get one. You know, yes, definitely uh, for sure. The thing I asked myself about him is genuinely how much does he care? Like, how much does he actually care about shutting up the haters? This guy is like, if he's anything, he's one of the most tunnel vision golfers I think this like this crop has in it right now. Um, and at the end of the day, like, I don't think he really cares what fans or people think of him. Um, is it a little bit of a brain leech maybe that you know that he thinks about on Sundays when it comes down to these big events perhaps but I don't think it has any big effect on how he plays you know it's it's a weird he is one of the most unique golfers of this last generation I think because of his inability to win a big one and unlike you know for years growing up I remember hearing this same kind of like conversation about Phil, right? Till he finally yeah. got that, till he finally got that major. Um, this sort of feels similar to that, although I don't think Patrick Cantley cares as much as Phil did when Phil was searching for his first. Yeah, definitely an interesting character. Let's talk about a another unique golfer from that tournament, right? In Tiger Woods, uh, unique <laughs> for certainly different ways, right? I uh, had to withdraw from the tournament. I believe it was on Friday where you know, where he had to uh, take the card out and kind of. Use that same kind of in and out motto where it would just where a lot of golfers were sick that week and just had some some stomach problems and had to withdraw from the tournament. It was a very unfortunate situation, but um, luckily it was nothing to do with his play. It was nothing to do with his health. It was all to do with uh, you know that stomach bug that would just uh, made him not able to uh, complete that golf tournament. So, Josh, my main question out of that: Do you think we see him before the Masters? Do you think he plays the players uh, coming up here in, in not only a few weeks now? Oh, I think he certainly does. I think it's almost yeah. a guarantee that he plays in the in the players. Um, just if for nothing else, the, the history of the event. Also, you know, there isn't to me, um, I didn't see anything in this last event that looked like a warning sign that yeah, he wouldn't he be fine. able to hold up. I mean, you know, the stadium course isn't exactly that brutal. It's not like a, a major course, a traditional major course or like a U.S. Open course where it could be really brutal on the body. Um, I, I guess I would be more curious to see how he holds up in the Masters. I think he'll play fine in Florida, where it's probably going to be in like the mid seventies or near eighty degrees. Flat. Um, 
and you know, and flat compared to the Masters, where we've seen just in the last couple of years that you know, I think we've had like what Fridays and Saturdays where temperatures have been in like the forties and fifties. Right. That's where that's where I'm interested, and also like the one note I guess I would say with regard to his health would just be, I'm curious. Um, we he had that shank on Friday, I think it was, or Thursday or Friday, one of the two. He has that shank. I think it was Thursday, yeah. Toward the end of his round, um, and he said it was his back was spasming. I, you know, maybe he was starting to feel a little ill from you know whatever was getting ready to to take care of him that that weekend, but. Um, you know, I, that would be the one thing I would just watch for is, you know, is he going to have back issues, spasms? Um, you know, he's almost 50 years old, an old guy now. So, yeah, I'm primarily throwing out most of the, the data from the Genesis, you know, just from the barriers of being sick, you know, your stomach's off. I think everybody knows that you're just not the same person you are at all. But uh, physically, he looks great. He's looked great. in the last time we've seen him, um, yep. especially going back through you know, the last month, he's looked good. His walk looks good. His, his swing looks different, but still very, very Tiger-esque in a way, too. So I think he'll be fine. But and I agree with you, Josh, I think we'll see him at the players um, and then we'll see him at the Masters. That's, of course, he's very, very familiar with, of course you know, one on before and one on very many times. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see him at the players and see how he plays um, as we get this Florida swing started here this week. Also, walking walking that course out in California, um, clearly no picnic. You know, that march yeah. down the that march down off the first tee. I mean, that you want to talk about Riv is that's a lot of tough. Fun. You want to talk about tough on the on the lower body for a guy like Tiger. I mean, that that jaunt is no uh, no cakewalk. Um, Let's talk about the Mexico Open, shall we? Um, Jake Knapp holds on, gets a win. Interesting character. You want to talk about interesting character. This is an interesting character for professional golf. Um, So plays, I don't want to say abysmal on Sunday, but he just held on for dear life, right? Didn't play great. Um, But he gets the win. I think he hit like two fairways the entire day. Um. You know, this continues that trend of rookies, new guys, new faces, winning events. Obviously, the Mexico Open is not an elevated event. Um, what what do you do? You think this continues? Do you think we're going to see more of this? Yeah, that's three on tour this season, right? Rookies that have won. We had three all of last year, Josh. Yeah. So that just shows to show how, how the the landscape of professional golf has changed. I just I think we are going to get closer and closer to the Florida swing and get closer to the majors and stuff where you get the, the the guys really tuned up, right? And you don't see a lot of... I don't see where a lot of rookies can win the rest of the schedule. There is definitely some spots, uh, especially with some opposite field events with, with some majors coming up. Um, I think it would be... I think you'll see at least one more, though. I, I, I think it's hard not to say that a, a rookie will win. But Josh, yeah, what a cool battle between, you know, Knapp and, and Valmaki. Um, two guys with mullets battling it out on Sunday, which, which was a lot of fun to watch. Um, Jake Knapp was trying to uh, give that one away, but he hit some really good golf shots down the stretch to uh, continue to get that first win. Uh, really, really fun uh, Sunday afternoon of golf, I thought. And Josh, what I thought was really cool about Jake Knapp, maybe the coolest thing, was after Friday, he held a one-shot lead, I believe. And then he comes out on Saturday, and we're saying, you know what, this is Jake Knapp, you know, a guy that hasn't been here before, possibly a rookie on tour. Could he get to let the pressure get to him? Nope. He goes out and shoots 29 on Saturday on the front nine. So I think that's just shows where professional golf is and shows where golf is that everybody is so darn good at this game and, and how the pressure really doesn't matter that much. These guys are so, you know, keened in from their, from their uh, amateur career and uh, getting through that stuff. So it's pretty cool stuff from Jake Knapp to get that first victory. 
Um, and it's always fun to see a guy with a mullet get the, get the W. Absolutely. Um, criticism of the field strength. That was something that I saw crop up on uh, X throughout the weekend. To me, it feels like it's just a reality of the elevated, non-elevated uh, schedule setup. What do you make of that? Yeah, I think I would agree with that too, Josh. I think I think Liv, you know, eats into that too. You know, they've stolen so many players that would probably maybe be on that border, right? You know, you have some guys that would be playing in this event that might change it, but I don't think that would necessarily change the, the factor. But yeah, just a non-elevated versus elevated schedule, especially getting into the Florida swing and getting more and more, you're not going to see a lot of big guys play this tournament. I think Tony Finau was probably the only like top, top player to play in this event. Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't even actually thought about that. Um, but, you know, guys like Cam Smith or, or John Rahm, they're not going to be playing these non-elevated events. So I don't, I don't really see how Liv has much much to right. do with the, the equation. Um, let's talk There's about a some... few instances, but it was, I don't know if it really changes the fact that, you know, these guys are still low-level low names. You know, maybe some golf fans that watch the PGA Tour on a week-in, week-out basis would know who they are, but for the most part, no. Yeah, I mean, it's just that's something that I think the tour is going to have to, again, this goes back to the stories golf media is telling um, and what kind of exposure these these younger guys or these new faces are getting in various platforms where people can actually like learn more about them or find out who they are or know who they are. Because otherwise, I feel like if we just rely on the method that we've used all along, Seems like we're going to hit a wall here where, you know, a lot of these events are going to be dominated by by players that people just don't know. So, yeah, tour get on that. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the uh, the match. Uh, went off without a hitch. The question is, uh, was it a success? Did you like what you uh, what you saw on Monday? Yeah, I liked it, Josh. You know, seeing Rory, Lexi, Rosang, and Max out there. You know. I thought it was going to be a team setting thing. I, I put my hand up admittedly. I, I thought that was going to be the format. And then I learned early Monday that it was what it was a skins uh, uh, effort. So I, I think at first I was a little bit I don't know if disappointed is the right word or or just kind of not really intrigued because you, you have a little bit of a change with there. You, you see a little bit more of a difference in play, right? You know, these people playing for skins and trying to make birdies and stuff, which is really fun to watch. So uh, yep. I think that was cool. One thing about it, was really cool is is just the fact that every player is mic'd up all the time and you're really hearing them talk. And I yeah. think for the ladies in this event, you really got to learn them a lot more. Uh, Lexi Thompson has been on the LPGA tour for a while and it's been a mainstay, right? And I think I think Claire Rogers even said it and I kind of felt the same way. And I but before I even thought about her, before I even put it into words on Twitter, I think I learned more about Lexi Thompson in an evening than I did in her whole career. So kudos yeah. to the tour for doing that. I think that is a really good idea to kind of put your stars, get them on a microphone, get the booth to be quiet and just let them talk. Let them go through their their shot routine and let them talk about kind of where they are. And then you have a person like Rose Zhang, who is, who is a really come up and comer, really good player out of Stanford, who we've talked a lot about on this podcast. And we've we got to hear her talk and kind of hear her, what she is and what kind of she goes through it. And just watch her swing is really cool, Josh. She, every single time, I think she just hits it right in the middle of the club face. So that was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Rory's Rory, cool as a cucumber. You know, he doesn't say a whole ton, but doesn't need to. He just has that kind of Rory attitude, and then that's fun. Max is, I think, made for this. Max is a lot of fun to watch. And just a guy that's always going to give you a fun thing. He's always going to take a shot at Charles Barkley, which is kind of what they want to see. But at the end of the day, Josh, really, really good... Um, 
optimism from my side. I really enjoyed watching it, but it was just too long. I mean, it started at 6.30 and it got done around 10 or even a little after 10. Um, they played 12 holes. Four golfers playing 12 holes just takes a while. Um, I'd like to see them maybe play half of that. I don't think they need to play 12 holes. I think, but that's something that they're going to kind of experience and kind of cut down. But we're nine matches into this. You, th- you think they could be able to figure that part out. But overall, a good thing for me. Yeah, I think it's kind of run its course. Um, I, it's too long, like you said. Um, I think it's really hard for the tour to properly uh, sell this. I don't get what they were thinking with what day they had. You know, whole, having it on a Monday night in late February at 6.30, you know, out on the West Coast, people are still at work when this thing starts. Um, here on the East Coast, it's not getting over until 10 o'clock and they're only playing 12 holes. Um you know, I, I think this is bordering on now for me, the tour kind of running this into the ground. Um, I, I think the match was, you know, when people think the match, good, bad, or indifferent, they still think of Tiger and Phil. Um, right. And Vegas, yeah, playing for a million or whatever it was. When it comes to these like continuations of the match, it just feels like a something that was a good thing that's just been, you know, dragged out a little too far. Um, not to say that there shouldn't be something like this, but I think it needs to be something entirely new. I think it needs to be um, a little more intentional, so shorter, um, perhaps post-produced, like something where we're actually like seeing it produced the way um, play-alongs are from a lot of the popular YouTube channels, um, because that's clearly where where and what people want to want to watch. That's in line with what. Um, consumers want to see right now in golf so i would rather see that does that mean this this past one was a bad a bad it didn't know like i i don't think it was bad it just it, it was what i think the last few matches have become um a, a little tired a, a little like drawn out that the pga tour tries to make it a spectacle and it just it just ain't there like you can't you can't can't sell something that just doesn't have an audience well, I don't think they would have done this, Josh, if they didn't have what happened with the TGL. I think the TGL would have done a lot compared to this. They would have really, you know, put an AirPod in the players and really kind of shown who they are. But Josh, with the you know TGL getting delayed a year, I think they kind of were forced to do this. And for that thinking too, I think they did a pretty good job. And and like I said, just showing personalities. I think that's really important to kind of show who these people are. And especially with women's golf, you know, really gaining a lot of traction, women's sports in general, gaining a lot of traction over the last probably year or a little bit more than that now. I think just getting these players and, and just hearing them talk and not having a talking head talk about them is really important. And I think they really did a really good job of that, just kind of letting these players get an AirPod in and talk about themselves, talk about their shot and getting out of the way. And I think that's the most important part. And they generally did a pretty good, um, pretty good job at that, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, one of the one of the interesting dilemmas I think it has is like do we want to hear the TNT guys like calling this? Like is that is that what we want as consumers or is that just what the the people sitting around a boardroom at the PGA Tour think a bunch of like 55 to 70-year-olds want to hear because it it like basically still falls in line with what like the traditional broadcast product is in golf. 
Yeah, but the TNT crew does do a nice job in the fact that it doesn't feel like a like a traditional broadcast. It feels like a, the halftime of an NBA game, which is really, really good. And really people like that a lot. People like Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley kind of going at each other. And then you bring in Paul Bissonnette and DJ Khaled, who is a little bit interesting, and Christina Kim, who got some mixed reviews. But just a different voice on the broadcast, I think, was, a, was very good for them. And then TNT has some of those personalities that are able to kind of make it a little lot more unserious and just kind of have fun with it too. So I think that was a good idea, but they did do a nice job of Ernie Johnson, especially did a nice job of really kind of getting out of the way, right? If the players are ready to talk, then we're going to let them talk. Yeah. And I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's to me, that's one of the main arguments for making this a post-produced event that, that is edited and put together after the fact, because you will be able to eliminate so many of the low kind of like the right. lulls and be able to emphasize so much more what the players are saying and the best of what the commentators are saying. So yes, I mean, the TNT crew has some, has some great moments, but there's also some points where through a three and a half hour broadcast, you're like jokes aren't landing and things are just like, you know, it's like, all right, throwaway comment. That, that was cool. Whatever. Um, Again, I just yeah, think, I think like you lose it, a lot of it's not live, though. You lose the allure of the fans and everything if it's not live, in my opinion. And even those low comments can be funny in a way, in a reverse way, where they might be in a four hour broadcast. It might be a time where there's a lull and that it's almost OK. I don't think you need to be like 100 percent balls to the wall every minute. Right. Yeah, I would just say, like, if that's the case, like you how are you going to keep people connected for three and a half hours? I mean, it's just too Oh, it's long. hard. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you can keep like anyone connected for three and a half hours, no matter what you do. Yeah. I mean, that's just basically it's, I mean, it's almost as long as like golf is on the, the television on the weekends. Right. <laughs> like maybe longer in some cases. <laughs> uh, okay. So enough about that. All the commercials. Um, talking about, Hey, at least we got playing through. Um, Rory and Max say they wouldn't mind uh, or wouldn't be opposed oh, through, to a night finish in golf. And they're talking about tournament golf. We're not talking about um, just a random throwaway exhibition. We're talking about tournament golf. What do you think? Would you would you like to see a, a, maybe the back nine on a Sunday played into the under the lights? Yeah, I think it'd be cool, Josh. You know, we saw that in the match where we were just talking about, right? They played under the lights at the park in West Palm Beach. I thought that would be, I think there'd be a lot of fun to kind of see how much it is different at night. You know, we, we talk about this a little bit too. You know, there's so many blaring lights going on them. So it may look like on camera that it's, that it's pretty light, but that, that percentage changes a lot. Um, Max was it, Max was in a bunker and he had a bunker shot. And I think it was on the second hole. Or he, he was like, I don't even know where that is. And, and these players don't even see the ball in the air and they're like, four maybe and then the ball you know just kind of trickles into the crowd but it, you know that was kind of funny but um i think it'd be interesting in a sense that i don't need it a ton but i think it would be kind of fun to watch and it'd be different josh i've been banging that whole different drum for the last ever since this podcast has really been created i think anything the pga tour can do to be different and to try something else i'm never going to say it's bad i'm always going to be in for that let's try something different and let's see how we can you know continue to to gain fans to, to watch our sport I'm with you and I have you? absolutely nothing to add. It's just that simple. Try different things. They don't all have to be home runs, you know, um, but try something new. And if you don't do it after the first or second try, that's fine too. Try something else. I think the golf as a consumed broadcast product 
needs such an overhaul that I'm willing to see the PGA tour or any, any tour try anything to spice things up and make it, make it more appealing to watch for non golf people. Because at the end of the day, if we're really going to grow the game and we're really going to see these big, massive uh, pots of gold that we're handing out every, every Sunday um, be justified, frankly, you need to grow the game significantly. I mean, it's nice that, that we have all these uh, private equity investments and you've got, you know, the Saudis who are willing to dump, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe a billion or two dollars into professional golf for a product that that gets like, you know, 25, 30,000 eyeballs on a YouTube live stream. But at the end of the day, like if we're going to keep going down this road, golf as a consumed product needs to grow. Yeah. But I will say, Josh, going back to the broadcast element, I think they have done a better job in the last couple months, right? I think the, the watching experience, in my opinion, has, has improved. You know, they've been trying new things. They've been continuing to do the walk along. They've been bringing players in the booth like Rory McIlroy. I think they're, they are trying things and I think it is getting better, um, in my opinion. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I think they're also showing more golf shots. Um, yes, that's which, which is like, I think golf coming into this season, professional golf, the PGA tour was in such a bad place coming into this season that any improvement would feel like significant improvement. So I think, I think at the end of the day, like, yeah, that it's gotten better, but it's, you know, we're talking very small steps compared to where the tour needs to go in the next like two to four years, in my opinion. Yeah, but any steps are, are good steps in my opinion, and the emergence of live has really kind of forced their hand, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of uh, hands being forced, Taylor Gooch, he's mad. He's really mad because he got snubbed uh, from Augusta. He will not be playing. He did not get a special invite. Um Nate, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, probably by now everybody's seen the the firestorm that's been happening on on Twitter, formerly or uh, uh, X, formerly Twitter. Um, what, what do you think? What, what do you what do you make of all this? Well, let's let's start with the quote, Josh. And this quote <laughs> just came out of nowhere, right? Where where you know we've we've heard a lot about you know Augusta, Hokey Neiman after he won, he he said something about Augusta first. He gets a special invite. Um, he's he's historically played pretty well in the Masters, and, and he's had a, he has a better track record in terms yeah. of professional golf than Taylor Gooch. But um, he said, if Rory McIlroy goes and completes the Grand Slam, there will be an asterisk. Asterisk, excuse me. I, I think that's just absolutely a wild thing to say. Taylor Gooch is saying this. Why is he picking out Rory McIlroy? There's a million different players he could have picked out. Rory's probably sitting there looking at this and saying, well, what's going on here? Why are we talking about me? Um, We've talked about Rory getting that Grand Slam and how awesome that would be. Um, he probably should have gotten an invite, Josh. I, I think that's. I think everyone would agree with that. He's been one of the better players on Live in terms of you know finishes in the last you know, last couple of years now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a crazy thing to say. But at the end of the day, it gets people talking about him and it gets people talking about the system. So I guess it's good. But it is just a funny quote to read out loud, um, talking about Rory McIlroy and if how he wins, there'd be an asterisk because Taylor Gooch wasn't there. <laughs> Yeah, and he didn't say that because, you know... But that's he, what he implied. He, yeah, I mean, he he basically, like, couched it by saying, like, there should be more live guys in the field, um, even though a ton of live guys are actually in the field. Um, yeah, I, like, do I think he should have gotten an invite? Yes. Do I think going about it this way now is the right move for Taylor Gooch? No, 
because I think yeah. he pretty much guaranteed himself never getting an invite in the future to the Masters unless some kind of deal between the PGA Tour and Live is reached and there's like cross-pollination between the two sides in a in a real like merged kind of way. Like I, I think he pretty much sealed that up, right? He's certainly not going to make any friends over at Augusta in terms of getting a special invite. Um, but yeah, he's never been a guy that's been afraid to, to put his name out there and put his name um, in, the, in the headlines. And he's played very well and very well backed that up too. So possibly he gets in another way. But um, I thought it was interesting too, going back to the Hokey Neiman debate, I saw a tweet about how Hokey Neiman has played in a ton of different events to try to get himself, you know, qualifications. And, you know, we, yeah. that gets into a whole subject of OWGR and Taylor Gooch has not done that. So uh, that's one thing about Hokeem Neiman. Josh, I want to p- point one more thing about Taylor Gooch. Somebody very funny on the internet, which we know the internet is a very, very good place and with a lot of good minds. Someone went on Taylor Gooch's Wikipedia page and, and put asterisks against all his wins and wrote Roy McIlroy not in the field. <laughs> so I just thought that was great. And that's since been edited now. But it was just awesome for the screenshot where someone took all of Taylor Gooch's wins where most of them are on the live tour at this point. And showing how Rory McIlroy is not there, and maybe those should have asterisks too. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Like the whole that whole thing is just very weird to me. The whole ass like that comment is like you said, just asinine. It's yeah, silly. It I mean, is what it is. I, I you know. Is anyone going to be thinking about this? Like he says this now, but the Masters is five weeks away still. Um, is anybody going to be thinking about this on Thursday when when the the first group goes out at Augusta? No, no shot. Once you put a peg in the ground, there's the storylines and off the course stuff don't really matter. It's who plays the next seventy two holes of golf and the lowest score. Right, and I I would say I'd I'd hazard a guess that in a week we're not even talking about this um, anymore because it it matters that little. Um, right. Taylor Gooch can go win all he wants on live. Um, you know, un- unfortunately. He is going to be one of the examples of guys that didn't have enough of a resume built on established on tour before he went to live um, to work his way into or get special invitations to majors. You know, like Neiman, um, obviously the guys who actually have won majors, it's different for them. But, you know, this is just kind of the, the nature of the situation until there's some kind of agreement between the PGA Tour and Live Golf about how the two can coexist and, and be together. Right. Right. Anthony Kim, speaking of live, uh, Anthony Kim making his return to pro golf, uh, Jetta this weekend. He is a wild card through the rest of the season. Um, which means he will be playing as an individual through the, the rest of the live season. Um, expectations. He's 38. Yeah, I I don't know if I'm in the minority here, but I, I'm not like super like, holy cow about the return of Anthony Kim. He was a guy that was beloved on the PGA Tour in terms of who he is as a player and that golf swing too, kind of, you know, just being a really powerful golf swing and kind of entering that thing early. Anthony Kim was just a guy that had, for lack of a better term, swag, right? We saw him in the Ryder Cup make a bunch of birdies in a row and then he goes to the next tee and not knows that not knowing that the match is over and that he doesn't have to do that. So I just think that's part of the reason we love Anthony Kim. Does 38-year-old Anthony Kim have that same mojo? Uh, who knows? Well, I don't know. We're, we're, we've yet to see what's going on. 
but there's been a lot of hype around Anthony Kim, right? Especially from these live tour accounts. Josh, over under 72, par at uh, the, the course they're playing this week in live. What do you got? I'll take the under. I think he shoots under par. Yeah. Um, is he going to win? I, I don't like, I pretty much look at it like this. My expectations for him are about the same as Tiger. You know, like I, I think they, I think they both can be um, solid personalities and middle of the road players for live PGA tour for golf as a whole. But I don't have a ton of confidence in either winning. Just don't. Yeah. 38 year old Anthony Kim. I don't, I don't see a scenario where he wins um, in, in a way that kind of solidifies what the live tour is if he does win. But in a way it's a, it's a, it's absolutely a huge storyline if he's able to, to get this victory in his first stroke start back. But I think it's pretty low chance. Um, I think I would take that under 72 as well. I think Anthony Kim is going to be a guy who's going to be ready to go. He's got that intense sort of moniker about golf too. So I think he's going to be ready to go. The swing looks good. We saw um, a couple of videos surface on, on, on X showing him, you know, swinging on the range before the tournament looks good. looks similar to what Anthony Kim has always been, but yeah, 38 year old Anthony Kim, 15 years after about 15 years after last time we've seen him play pro golf. Um, it is an interesting scenario, but one that I'm not maybe as excited for as others, but I'll still have my eye on it. Yeah. I mean, if he won, I think it would be one of the biggest stories in golf. Just, Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I understand people love some a good people, comeback story. Yeah. I mean, I know some people are going to say, oh, well, that, you know, like you just pointed out, you know, that would kind of encapsulate what Liv has, has been characterized over the, as over the last few years. But, you know, I think still a guy, coming back from a a basically a 10 to 12 year off right. period would be huge be crazy i would hope that they stuff a microphone in his face and really get into the weeds of asking him questions i don't think they're going to but um i really would love to know you know kind of what's how what happened what led to that you know we've heard a lot of stories about the insurance policy but i'd love to hear more information about that but i don't think that's going to happen we need to get him on a podcast is what like we we need to see him in a long form it's, Liv's not like, gonna let him do that, I wouldn't think. I yeah, I, well, Liv, I think Liv would if it if it meant they could like. They have to be able to control the narrative, though. You would think, right? I does the narrative even have anything to do with them, though? Like, yeah, that's a good point. It's really just about like what what he has been. What has he been doing for the last like twelve years? I think twenty thirteen was the last time he played. Like, what has he He's been, been doing for the last like ten years, other than raising a child and you know surfing i guess sure like i don't know like i i think there's a lot about the person that doesn't really have anything to do with what tour he's playing on that um would probably be in Liv's benefit for him to do like a a spree of of you know foreplay podcasts and things like that where he just like sits down and talks long like for an hour about like what his situation has been yeah i would listen uh, if yeah. anthony kim wants to wants to come talk on any po- any particular podcast we would welcome that yeah um, so let's get into uh, the golf we have coming up. Florida Swing kicks off this week uh, with the Cognizant Classic uh, at the Palm Beaches. Chris Kirk is your defending champ. McElroy Fitz, uh, Tom Kim, Cam Young, Sepp Straka, Ricky Fowler, uh, and FedEx Cup points leader Matthew Pavon are in the field. This was previously the Honda Classic, or as uh, I called it in the past, the Honda Not So Classic. Um, what are you, what are your uh, predictions for, for this uh, week? Um, I would love to get on here and say a rookie's going to win. That'd be really cool. 
um, you'll, you'll see some in the field. But I don't think that's going to be possible. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Matthew Fitzpatrick puts it together. We saw a missed cut last week. And, um, but the week before, we saw a good finish at the Phoenix Open, a top 15. So uh, Matt Fitz, 30 to 1, is my pick at PGA National this week. Let's get the Florida wings swing started. Once that gets started, we really get in the meat of the golf season. So I'm excited for the Florida swing to start. Yeah, this is huge. Um, look, I, I'm going with the same, my same process from a couple weeks ago. Eric Cole, uh, Chris Kirk, they're my favorites to win. Both have played well here the last couple of years. Um, Chris they Kirk is have, a defending champion, correct? Yes. Um, but in terms of strokes gained, uh, they are both in the top 10 the last two years in the field in this event. So uh, I think they're both poised to play well. I would lean towards Eric Cole if I'm, if I, Absolutely have to pick between the two of them. So my actual pick would be be something. Uh, Let's jump over to uh, Liv Jetta at Royal Greens Golf and Country Club in Saudi Arabia. That's happening. Uh, Obviously, Anthony Kim is playing. He's the wild card like we talked about. Uh, Winner prediction. What What do we have? Um, I'm going to pick John Rahm until he wins. Finally, he's been he's been around every single week, and he's been he's the best player on the Live Tour. And I think it's just uh, a matter of time before he gets his first victory over on Live. I'm going with DJ because I just think that would really shake things up. Um, I think it would really be an interesting um, conversation to have heading into major season with DJ having two wins approaching the Masters. I think it would be significant. Yes, definitely. Um, especially with how much we've talked about DJ. Wouldn't it be cool if Phil won one of these? We, we see him at the bottom and towards the bottom of the leaderboards a lot. Um, I was just thinking about that randomly. Um, I would say cool would be Phil if one, maybe if like a guy like Ian Poulter won, it'd be kind of cool too. Um, but I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, I, I would say they have about equal odds to win as uh, Anthony Kim does. I will say, like, this is Anthony one thing. Anthony Kim's got that, better, better odds, I would think. Yeah. Um, this is one thing that can't really be argued, I think, at this point is like, Liv's strength of field is improving and has oh, improved consistently over the last two and a half years. So look, I, I think it's it's harder for those guys to win now because there are some legitimately good golfers in the field every week. There sure is, yeah. And especially when you can get a guy like John Rahm to come join your tour, uh, that really yeah. helps uh, the whole strength of uh, golfers in your field. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, that is going to do it for this edition of the show. You can catch more over at our Substack. Subscribe to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow us on TikTok if you want to see more from us in between episodes. For Nate Sharman, I'm Josh Durso. And remember, whether it's down the middle or out of bounds, keep on swinging. You've been listening to Out of Bounds. If it's coverage, debate, or discussion of pro and local golf, we'll be talking about it. Be sure to visit the website. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. See you next time on Out of Bounds.